in the cross, we discover a God who loves us to the fullest extent. Um, It is a love that must be received. Uh, He died for all. But all must choose to receive that love. Uh, This morning, uh, in a little while at the end of the message, there's going to be a time of decision. And it will be a decision that, in some respects, all of us will make in response to the love that God has demonstrated to us by his death on the cross. I want you to know because in the cross we discover a God who loved us to the fullest extent that whoever you are or whatever you have done, it was paid for on the cross. Because God loved us that much. Whoever you are, whatever you, are, you have done. But it takes a choice on our part to respond to that love and come to the cross. I want us to pray this morning as I start. Uh, Father, we... Uh, We thank you for what Jesus has done for us and his sacrificial death that paid for whatever we have done or will ever do. And Father, we praise you that you are a God that loved us all the way to the fullest extent. And Father, today I would pray whatever it is that we have that stands between us and you, that, Father, we would make the choice to come and lay that at the cross and to allow the sacrificial death of Jesus to pay for that. And, Father, I would pray in this time uh, that your Spirit would work as only your Spirit can in drawing us to you. And I pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Suppose with me this morning, just suppose, that I had someone that was very close to me that was seriously ill, and not simply seriously ill, but what I mean was uh, was going to die. Suppose this person was so close to me, it was a family member. It was my wife. Uh, It was one of my kids. (gasps) Or it was one of my grandkids. Now we're getting serious. And suppose with me this morning that there was a medical treatment that would cure my loved one's illness. But the cure was expensive. 
I don't know, let me put a dollar amount on it. It was going to cost $50,000 for this treatment to cure my loved one. What would I do? Well, um, I want you to know today I don't have $50,000 in the bank. But I do have access to financial resources. I'm not going to lay out my family's business here in front of you, but I want you to know that we have more than that in equity in our home. So what would I do? Would I be willing to sell my home for the cure for my loved one who was terminally ill? Of course I would. Um, I actually want you to know that I have actually more than that in a retirement account. Now that retirement account is for whoop, someday, right? It's for my future. Um, but if it came down to it, would I, would I be willing to give up my security for the future for my loved one in the present? Of course I would. Suppose it was not just one loved one. What if there were two or three or four? Would I be willing to sell the house, liquidate my retirement account, to pay for the treatments so that my loved ones could live? I would. And the reason I would do that is because I love them, right? Um, <laughs> suppose with me, it wasn't a close loved one. Suppose it was you. I'm looking around the room. No, I'm just not. Uh, <laughs> looking at David Shaw. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe $10,000, $50,000 for David Shaw. Are we sure? Is there a generic form of this? <laughs> or do I just say, I'll pray for you? What if... Um, What if it was someone that was just an acquaintance? That I wasn't particularly close to. What if when I started paying for my families that another person came and said, I have the same disease, would you pay for mine? Do you understand there would come a point in there somewhere <laughs> where I would say, uh, I don't know, what if it's a person X in California that contacts me and says, I hear you've been paying for these treatments. And I, I'm, I'm just be honest with you today. Probably the person in California, it's going to get love you too. We'll be praying for you. Hope it comes out okay. What if there came a point though the family members or people began to accumulate? Do you understand 
that there would come a point where even selling the house and liquidating my retirement account, there's nothing else there. I wouldn't have the resources. I guess I share that with you because I want you to know that for all of us, there are limits to our love. Either based on how close we feel to someone or actually just what resources we have to meet a particular need. There are limits to my love, but it is not so with God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. These weeks leading up to Easter, we were thinking about the glory of the cross. When we begin to read the scriptures about the significance of the cross, we see that the splendor of the cross is multidimensional. And what I mean by that, different people in different scriptures, as they looked at the cross, they saw it in new light. The cross is multi-dimensional. In the cross, we find peace. We find forgiveness. Reconciliation. Redemption. And as we began to talk about last Sunday... Love. A love based on Romans 5 8 that God demonstrates. He demonstrates in such a way that He died for us. And He died for us when we were yet sinners, when we were still in rebellion against Him. And we began to see in the glory of the cross at least part of what the glory of the cross is about. It is about love. The cross is more than love. But it is enough about love that I couldn't tell you all that I had to say to you last week. Because there is more to God's love. And my contention these weeks, if we stay here long enough and we think hard enough, we will see more and more the multi-dimensional splendor or glory of the cross. In John chapter 13, verse 1, John writes this in his story of Jesus' life, and really this is the point where they have come to the upper room. In John 13, 1, John writes this in the story of Jesus' life. It says, it says Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, 
He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. In the cross we discover a God whose love has no limits. He loves us to the fullest extent. Uh, He says in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, John writes that to give us a setting for the events that were to unfold, and they're very significant. God's times are not haphazard. God has reason for why things happen when they happen. And the death of Jesus in the mind of God happened at Passover because Passover gave the metaphor, the framework for people to understand what his death was about. And that's why John says, no, it was at the time of the Passover. And he's going to tell the story then of the death of Jesus. The Passover. Oh, I don't know how long. Trying to think historically. I don't know. Man, I ought to know that. It's not quite 2,000 years before this. Sorry, I'm having a moment here. I've got to get past. Doesn't matter. Hundreds of years before this, as the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, God sent a deliverer in Moses. And God instructed Moses on a particular night that they were to take a lamb and they were to slay that lamb and they were to drain its blood in a bowl and they were in each family they were to apply the blood to the outside of their door and they were to gather inside there and on the night that the death angel would come and take the firstborn of all the families when the death angel came and he saw the blood he passed over that house. They were rescued. They were redeemed. They did not have to pay by the death of their son. And then that night, as they celebrated that meal together, then God sent them out and they were delivered. They were freed. They were redeemed from slavery. And God took them in time to the promised land. And every year on that night... God instructed the Jewish people, you gather in your homes. I'll be honest with you, in time, they didn't kill the lamb anymore. But they had certain symbols that represented that. But in Jesus' day, at the time that He would give His life, They were killing the Passover lambs in the temple area. The Passover is a celebration of redemption from slavery through the blood of a lamb. And it is the context in which Jesus died for the reason that they would understand that He was the Passover lamb that would be slain for their sins once for all. It was about His death. Because He says, the second phrase He says, when Jesus knew that His hour 
had come that he should depart from the world to the Father. When his hour had come, this is my time. I want you to understand, Jesus' time was about his death. In fact, we know that because in the previous chapter, in chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, it's not going to be on the screen, but in 12, um, 23 and 24, but Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. But assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. All through the ministry of Jesus, it was building to this hour, this critical experience, which was primarily the reason that Jesus had come. And one of the things that strikes me about the story, and we we told this two weeks ago, is that Jesus knew beforehand. He told his disciples not only that he would die, but he told them he would die on a cross. Jesus knew it was coming. He knew it was his purpose. That was the hour. That was his time. That was the purpose in which he came. It would be the time that he would die as the Passover lamb. His motivation for that death, as we began to talk about last Sunday, was love. John says this in the second half of that verse. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Not only did Jesus love us, love them enough to die for his followers, but he loved us enough to die on the cross. Love was the motivation. I think that's probably why I start here. As we look at the glory of the cross, much of the glory of the cross is the love that is expressed by someone who would be willing to die for us. But actually this morning is that last phrase that brought me to this verse. It says that he loved them to the end. It's kind of an interesting phrase. And obviously, well, not obviously, but know that John writes this as an old man, having reflected after decades after he walked with Jesus. And what John records is that Jesus loved them to the end. And when I think of that in the, to the end, we could take that in the sense of time. He loved them until the time that he was taken out to the end, the time that he was taken from this earth. He loved them until he was gone. But I really believe there's something more to that. It's not just time, but it is the extent that Jesus died. The extent of his love in the death. In fact, some translations uh, would give the sense of this, that he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to the nth degree. He loved them uh, 
what I would say this morning, to the fullest extent. That was kind of my, my opening illustration was, how far would I go to express love to someone that I do not know? Would it be $50,000? I don't know. I believe what John is saying is Jesus was willing to go to the fullest extent. He was willing to go all the way to not only demonstrate His love, but to die for us. I believe what John is recording is that Jesus was willing to give His his all. His love had no limits. He loved them to the end. Whatever would be required, Jesus was willing to give through His death out of His love for them. Jesus loved us to the fullest extent. I believe this is recorded in the Scripture, particularly in John's uh, writings. John one twenty nine. Jesus comes walking up. John the Baptist is there with a couple of the disciples who become disciples of Jesus. And John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. John is also the one who records John 3:16. Hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If that's not enough in in 1 John 2:2 2, 2, John writes, and he himself is the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. There's a theological point in here that is very important as we look at the glory of the cross. And it is this. The death of Jesus is sufficient for all people and for all sins. How do we know that? Because He died for the world. He died for everybody. The Scripture isn't talking about uh, the, the physical world. He's talking about the spiritual world. He's talking about people. Do you understand this truth? That when Jesus died on the cross, He died for all people who would ever live. If He died for all people, then do you understand that His blood is sufficient For all people of all times. There's a theological point in here. I don't really have to make it, need to make it this morning. Because the scripture is very clear. The the blood of Jesus is sufficient for all people, for all sins. Do you understand that? He died for the world. In fact, John says in 1 John 2, 2, the whole world. His sin, his, his death is sufficient for all sin. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 7, starting in verse 25, 
The writer of Hebrews describes the death of Jesus as once for all. Not only was his death for all, but he only had to do it once. His death was sufficient for all time for all people. In Hebrews 7 verse 25, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest is fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. The death of Jesus on the cross was a once-for-all sacrifice for all people, for all of their sins. The death of Jesus is sufficient for all. It is the final and complete sacrifice. That is the reason Jesus, at the end, the last words that are recorded by the gospel writers that Jesus uttered from the cross, it is finished. I have paid the price. For the forgiveness of sins of all people. This will be a theme that we will come back to. But it is important that today we understand that the death of Jesus is sufficient for all people and for all sins. And the point is that He loved us that much that He went all the way. What if Jesus said, well, I'm going to die for the good people, the people that will turn their lives around and they'll get it together and they'll serve me and They'll tithe and they'll, they'll go to church every Sunday and they'll do all those things. And Jesus said, well, I'll die for those. It's not what he did. He died for all people. And for the vast majority of mankind before they had ever lived, while they were still in rebellion with him, even knowing, as I said two weeks ago, that the majority of people would never receive his death. Jesus knew that. That even though this gospel would go into all the world, that most would not receive. But they would walk away from the message of a God who loved them so much that he was willing to die. And his love took him all the way that he was willing as the, the sinless Savior. That he would love them to the uttermost, to the fullest extent, so that he would pay for the sins of all people in every one of their sins. It is finished. The gospel song from the 1940s (laughs) entitled Room at the Cross. The first verse says, The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide. And its grace so free is sufficient for me. And deep is its fountain, as wide as the sea. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross 
for you. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, Jesus died for that and for you. You see, the gospel brings it down to our level. And yes, the message may be that the death of Jesus is sufficient for all. But it's more personal to you than that. It is that the death of Jesus is sufficient for you and for your sin. Whoever you are, whatever you have done. But the gift of love must be received. There must come a point in our lives in which we kneel at the cross and we acknowledge the Savior who died for us and we receive the gift of His salvation. In the Passover celebration, it wasn't enough to kill the Lamb. The blood had to be applied to the outside of the door. And when the death angel saw the blood out of faith that was displayed on the door, the death angel passed over. It is not enough for the lamb to be slain. The blood must be applied. This morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. And our music team is going to come. I'm going to come to the front. Byron's going to come to the front. Uh, This morning, the altar is open. If you have never received the gift of the Lamb who was slain for your sins, you can do that today. Byron and I will be at the front. You can talk with us. It's going to take a little bit of effort on your part because you're going to have to step out from where you are and you're going to have to come. But if you have never taken that step of surrendering to the Savior who died for you, of applying the blood and faith to say, I receive that gift, you can do that this morning. I want you to know that no one has ever loved you the way He has loved you. He loved you to the fullest extent. And it is through that love that we are drawn to Him, to someone who would die for us, even to the extent the death of the cross. But it has to be received. And this morning, that's at least part of what this time is about. There's some of you here today who have knelt at the altar you've surrendered your life to Christ but there is something in your life 
stands between you and God and your fellowship, your relationship with Him. And it needs to be brought to the altar to say, not only Jesus do I confess this, but I give it to you and I ask that the blood be applied. That forgiveness would happen and reconciliation would be restored. That relationship would be restored through reconciliation. You can come to the altar. We've even had somebody who's come at the church during the week and has left something at the bottom of the cross. To say, Jesus, I give this to you. And so this morning as Shane leads us, we invite you to come to receive the Savior who loved you enough to die for you. As we sing.
God's people said, amen, amen. We're going to receive our offering at this time, and then uh, Byron's going to come and talk to us about love. Amen. And um, then I've got some announcements. And Brother Fred Smith, at the end of the service, I want you to pray, and we're going to have a blessing for our meal before we leave out. So I want you to be thinking about that. It shouldn't be a long prayer. It's a prayer for food, okay? So just... This is not your prayer time today. This is just the blessing for the meal, okay? So uh, 